Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi. Welcome to the Football Writers podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Walker of the Daily Mirror and tactical analyst Adrian Clark. Most clubs are in meltdown this week. The transfer deadline does that to people. But the chaos is especially acute at Arsenal. We all know the reasons why. A stubborn manager, frustrated, feckless players, an owner whose only interest is in the bottom line. The point is, David, What's Arsene Wenger going to do about it? Well, in the end, he'll lose his job one way or the other. He'll either walk away and realise he probably made a bad decision signing the New Deal last summer, or, and I can't believe the Arsenal board and the way they are so compliant with Wenger are going to sack him, but I think it will lead to the parting of the ways eventually. The tragedy is that Arsene Wenger is such a smart football man and is a great student of the game, so he must be aware that the likes of, and in no particular order, Alex Ferguson, Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley, Kenny Dalglish twice, all walked away, in some cases retired from those clubs. And guess what? They left their teams as major trophy winners. And I've got to say, that was a wonderful opportunity Arsene had last summer at Wembley with the FA Cup to say, there you go, there's a trophy on the sideboard, I'll go now. And he should have gone in the summer. And now we're seeing the consequence of that call. He's a proud man principled man. Is he the type to walk away? I don't think so, no. I think he, he's married to football, isn't he? I think he, doesn't, he wouldn't know what to do with himself if he wasn't in charge of Arsenal. Um, I think he's just got to look at the picture, try and clear his head over the international break and work out what this Arsenal side needs to be successful this season. We are only three matches into it. Three tactically poor performances, it has to be said. I think Tactically, at the moment, the Gunners are in a bad place. So he has to think about, right, what do I need to do to get the most out of these players? And, and for me, it's quite clear that the challenge is work on what they do without the ball. You look at all of the big six, apart from Arsenal, and they all have a way of playing. They either press feverishly or they sit back and keep a really structured shape. You can't say that about Arsenal, unfortunately. They're very easy to play against. If he focuses on that very hard and brings out all these coaching skills, all the things he's learned over the years, then, then Arsenal can turn it around. That, that, that is part of the battle. There are mm. other challenges, of course, mm. in terms of the players' mentalities. But, but, but from that side of things, Arsenal must improve big time without the ball. Mm. We've looked at, you know, things are moving really quickly. We, we've got, you know, here we are, Tuesday morning already, we've heard that Manchester City have made another bid for Sanchez this time including uh, Raheem Sterling. Mm. If that goes through, who gets the best of that deal? Oh, Manchester City, without a doubt. I mean, 
the, the, the issue, and Arsene Wenger and Arsenal as a club know this, is Sanchez is their best player and they're in danger of losing him, be it now or next summer. Now, the only thing that surprises me in all this is that's a script we've all known for many, many months and they as employers mm. have to deal with it. You know, and, and I've, I have no issue with Arsene Wenger. This is my point, really, to start off with on, on the Wenger and, and where he is in his own personal crossroads. He's, got a, he's had a fantastic career. He's done an awful lot of great work. The, the body of work he's done, and in years to come, we should look back and say what an outstanding manager he was. My point is, it's not three games that Arsenal have been in decline. This has been long-term. You've seen this coming season after season yeah. with issues not being addressed and, and recruitment mm. issues not being addressed. It's, decisive, contract it's indecision. I think Arsenal need more decisiveness at, mm. at all levels. I think the, the manager, if he looks back at what, how he's dealt with this squad, he will surely realise that he should have been a bit more ruthless. He's given players too many opportunities. I think at board level, they'll maybe look at it and think, could we have been more decisive in the transfer market? Looking at this bigger picture about players out of contract, should we have come up with a clear plan on what we do? Um, whether it's a trade-off, maybe they, we don't know what talks have been held, but, but if, if Alexis Sanchez is destined for Manchester City, I would like to have seen Arsenal work very hard on what kind of trade-off they can do. Not one that suits City, mm. e.g. giving them Raheem Sterling, who's becoming a fringe player. Who do Arsenal want out of mm. that deal? Um, Sergio Aguero would be the obvious one. For me, on that, on that trade, yeah. um, but... Raheem Sterling replaces Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You still have a mammoth yeah. Alexis Sanchez hole to fill. Because this is a guy that scored over 20 goals last season, provided over 10 assists. Um, Unfortunately, players like that do not grow on trees. And if Arsenal let him go, they would be considerably weakened. Well, they're going to lose him, Adrian, aren't they? they? That's the fact now mm. you're left with. So what have you done, mm. or they done, with respect to you? What have they done to replace Sanchez in the long run? Mm. And I'll give a, a great example of this. I was thinking the other day, Kevin Keegan, European Football of the Year, the star man at a Liverpool team that won the European Cup for the first time and wanted to go and play abroad and went to SV Hamburg. What do Liverpool do? It's, it's exactly the same scenario as where Arsenal are now. Now, just bear with me on this. Yeah. They go and get Kenny Dalglish down, who people say, oh, you'll never get Dalglish out of Scotland. They did, and the team got better. Mm. You look at the David Beckham departure from Manchester United. Yeah, things have been sour, but he was part of that class of 90, a hugely popular player. The summer that Beckham leaves the building, Cristiano Ronaldo arrives. Now, I can yeah. see a plan. What I don't see mm. with Arsene Wenger too often yeah. is the plan of what he's yeah. going to do with these star names. And it does all beg the question, if you're a player mm. of Sterling's pretensions, mm. needs to be playing regularly in a World mm. Cup year, mm. he left Liverpool to join a top team. Mm. He's obviously being ushered towards the door. Mm. Why would someone, why would any top player mm go to Arsenal in their current state? <laughs> well, if you base it on the first, you know, on the last two, two defeats and performances, there will be question marks in pr prospective targets' minds. How successful are Arsenal going to be this season? I, I fully understand that. But look, Arsenal is, is a great club. It's in London. It's, it's a big draw for players. And they will come again. But they need to make changes to come again. And, and, and changes, not necessarily um, always in regards to the staff, just in changes in attitude and changes in approach. I do feel that to this season they talked about change, didn't they? A catalyst for change. Nothing's happened. I, no, I do feel that, that, that really 
they should have been very, very active and made a huge statement this summer in terms of spending power. That way, it appeases the fans or, you know, in an instant to some degree. It also makes players like Alexis Sanchez and Ozil feel like the club and the team are going places. I think they have made a mistake by, by sitting on their hands to some degree. And now we're just, you know, right towards the close of the window, talking about Raheem Sterling, a player that's not on Arsenal's wanted list at all. It, it all feels too last minute. And unfortunately, we have seen this before. So I completely understand the frustrations. And, and can I just say one other thing on that, though? On the other thing... On the recruitment issue, there is definitely a split in the camp there in the sense that some of the American people involved with Stan Kroenke and his son Josh would prefer a more statistical, analytical base to it, mm. whereas Arsene has always backed his scouting network in terms of what they see with their own <laughs> eyes and what they come. Yeah. And down the years, they have come up with names that Arsene has been virtually ready to go and then has pulled out of the last but you've minute. But you've got to judge on basics, human basics. You look at Meza Ozil... There's an unhappy guy, he's not producing, doesn't really want to be there, you can see that. So why keep him? Just get rid. Well, you need a buyer. Mm. <laughs> True. So there may be a reason as well. And there's another player who can let his contract run down for a year and walk away and make even more money next year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think by I'm not saying get rid of Mesut Ozil. I think, but but by being ruthless, I used that word earlier, decisive. I think sometimes you have to send a message to a dressing room. Actually, are you good enough to play for us? We're Arsenal. Are you guys good enough to to be here? And I think that's how the staff should be flipping it around at the moment, getting really tough with these guys. And I would like to have seen that a little bit sooner this summer because Arsenal is a great club, and a lot of the players at the moment are not producing performances yeah. worthy of being there. And Arsenal need to, to send that message to the players, to say, look, you, you are on trial here. It's not just about whether you want to be here. You are on trial. We will bring in better players than you if you don't deliver. And I think that has to be the message moving forward. Yeah, it looks like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's going to Chelsea. Where does he fit in there? Well, unless he turns up at Liverpool, Mike, mm -hmm. who may still have a little run at that. And there are suggestions <laughs> that if he could now... There is a belief that the clubs Arsenal and Liverpool, after the famous Luis Suarez debacle <laughs> and you know, the belief they could poach him for the £40 million and a pound, that Arsenal would prefer to do business with Chelsea, so maybe he will end up at yeah. Chelsea. I, th I think, and you know, this is where you're left with, you put 30-odd players out on loan, you've got some young English players going around the Premier League, and yet you want to go and sign another one. Oxlade-Chamberlain is a, is a very good yeah. Premier League player. I don't, I'm not going to go higher than that, mm. but I think he is very good. And, and he also, for a lot of the teams that are looking at the UEFA requirements in the number of um, domestic players who've been developed, would meet those criteria. Yeah. I asked him last season, I spoke to him, and I said, well, what, what is your prefer where do you want to play? And he, and he straight away didn't hesitate. He said central midfield. Um, he won't play at central midfield for Chelsea. It's not going to happen. He won't play, uh, not when they've got... Um, the guys have got uh, Conte, Bakayoko, Fabregas. Um, he'll be wing back because I think he can be a better wing back than Victor Moses. At Liverpool, in a three-man midfield, he mm. he would he would, in my opinion, get into that side. Um, so I could see if if Arsenal are prepared to do a deal with Liverpool, I could see Alex himself looking at that because I do think he's thinking not about money. He's thinking about his future and where he wants to play. Um, I wonder whether he would be leaning towards that. Mm. Would you be surprised? If as it seems very likely that Mustafi goes as well, I can't. Yeah. I can't work that I one out. I must admit, I'm uh, it's 
caught me completely off guard, this one. And I don't think he's been a huge success. Uh, yeah, it was a sort of... It felt like a strange signing at the time. He started off OK, but has never really shone. In my opinion, he would probably be on the fringe of the first team. So it wouldn't be the shock of the century if they sold him, but, but having already let Gabriel go, mm. they, they need two centre-backs and they need to upgrade in quality. Um, I'm astonished, really, that, that they haven't gone harder for Virgil van Dijk, what with the way that Liverpool appeared to mess mm. up that mm. deal. Virgil van Dijk is tailor-made for Arsenal in the middle of a back three, or he can play in a back two. He is the type of physical player and uh, natural leader yeah. That uh, that can also play football, bring it out from the back. He he would be the perfect fit, and I'm I'm really surprised they haven't um, speculated on him. Well, that 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 issue, Van Dijk's great example. That's the exact logic, and it and it is, <laughs> it's a sort of simple logic. You can see it. That that is astonishing Arsenal fans now with with Arsene Wenger mm. in that cornerstone parts of your team that getting the centre back mm. sorted out getting your midfield home. And, you know, if ever a club had the examples of that in the modern era, mm. it's been Arsenal who built... It, it were a wonderful trophy-winning team based around those principles. Mm. And yet Arsene Wenger does not appear to mm. adhere to things that have been laid down inside his own club. It, yeah. I mean, it's crazy, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, one of the frustrations for me when, I look, when I've looked at the team this season is, is what's going on in the centre of midfield with, with Ramsey and Xhaka. Two very good players, very good footballers. But, but Aaron is, is, is bombing on... At will, leaving Granite Xhaka on his own. But then Granite himself is also being lured forward at the wrong times. And in every game so far, there have been gigantic holes in the midfield. And what I don't understand is why that's been allowed to continue for a whole mm. half and a whole game and then be repeated in the next game. So there's, there's well, a lot there was a really telling moment in that Liverpool game where <clears> there were, I think it was six Arsenal players caught in front of the ball. Mm in a very quick counter-attack, mm. and they were just jogging back. Mm. Now, that tells me that something fundamental yeah. is wrong. The only other side in the top end of the Premier League that, that, that would, would perhaps be guilty of that are Manchester City. Um, every other manager, every other club at that, at that, top, that top end it focuses very hard on what they do without the ball. And, and it's, 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 it's the obvious weakness in that side. Sort that out, because Arsenal would always score goals. And then they've had two blanks in the last couple of games. That's an anomaly. They will always score goals. They've got to get back to clean sheet mentalities. And, and um, yeah, that's the place to start after the international break. You know, modern football is now moving so fast that we're having the sort of conversation we normally have in about November. Mm. And we've got to now look at the potential of managers getting sacked even this earlier in the season. Slaven Bilic saw David Sullivan, has been basically told, four, you've got four games. Hmm. How can he work when he seems to be being undermined from within on a continual basis? Well, I think the way, and, and I, I think David Sullivan and David Gold claim they've addressed the issue over leaks and things being placed in social media. You know, time will tell if that is correct. I think it's very difficult for Slavon Bilic. I've got to say, I don't think it's so much you've got four games, it's let's play these four games after the international break and we'll look again, let's just see them. And obviously, they've not played a home game yet. I think... Well, it's a, not that, that's no, that's no, no, far, absolutely. Well, they've, they've got a stadium that mm. they're renting and they've uh, made great play of how much they're making out of that and what a great deal it was. So now you pay the price of not staging home games and mm. having to play catch-up. But 
I think there's a West Ham situation with Slavon Bilic, some of which, again, isn't just this season. Some of it is a carryover, the hangover from last season and things going wrong and have they been addressed. I think the other one where we're seeing where Frank De Boer has been put under pressure and hauled in by Steve Parrish yesterday and, you know, having review meetings after three games, which have been appalling, it's got to be said. Yeah. Well, I was know. at Palace on, on yeah. Saturday yeah. and what got me was, you, one, you've got an obvious Sam Allardyce team trying to, to conform to the principles of yeah. Johan Cruyff, which is never <laughs> going to work. But it was, it was the lack of ability to actually respond to different demands. Mm -hmm. They're professional footballers. Yeah. Aid, you've been one. Mm. Surely they could have made a better fist of it than they have. Well, yeah, it's been, a re it's been an abject start for Crystal Palace. Um, what I will say in their defence is that when you're a professional player and you've got a manager that, that says, right, in this scenario, I want you to clip the ball on the, up the line to centre forward, central midfield joining, whatever. You've got a certain game plan, a way of playing. When you've been used to that for a couple of years, then when somebody else comes in and says, right, we're not doing that anymore, this is what I want from you, it can take time. Forget pre-season friendlies, they're not... They don't count. They're, they're never competitive. It's, it's not. It's it's not the same. It does take a little bit of time. But um, but yeah, the signs are worrying. It, I did think as soon as they appointed Frank de Boer that it was it was a, a misfit choice for Crystal Palace because I just I just don't see them becoming the new Swansea. I think they've got a long long way to go before they can play that brand of football and be a top half side in in the Premier League. Swansea played that way through the leagues, didn't they? Mm -hmm. It was ingrained in them. To have such a, such a dramatic change like that overnight, um, I think this was completely to be expected. If they fire him now, it's an admission that they completely got their appointment but wrong. But surely it's better to do so after three games than 13 games, because you've got more chance of repairing the damage. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 10, Mike. That's a, you <laughs> well, know, I haven't seen yeah, one Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I've got a fair idea. <laughs> I agree. The only thing I would say is I feel... A, a great degree of sympathy for Frank de Boer if, as we're led to believe, mm. the Crystal Palace hierarchy made the conscious decision, we want to change what we're serving up for the fans, mm. we want to give them a different style of football, this is the appointment that mm. can do it. OK, well, if you really wanted to do that, it wouldn't have mattered who had gone in, you might have had this problem, mm. you stick with him. I think you're right, I think, because of the whole scenario of protecting Premier League status, potential investment in the club going forward, all the bits that have got a commercial thing, mm. that's why Frank de Boer will get and, sacked. For, mm. and, and you're right, probably sooner than 13 games. Do you give any credence to the stories that have just popped up that Sam Allardyce might go back there? I wouldn't dismiss it. I've got to say that I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Sam, the football man, if people are sort of petitioning him to return, whether he could resist it. The only thing is, in terms of his family, and I don't mean this, his health in the sense of I am not aware of any health problem, mm. but I wonder in terms of almost like the sanity and what he's going through. <laughs> oh, I saw him the other you day. Know, I saw yeah. him the other day, and uh, he was he was on really good form. I think he'd just been to Hawaii. He, <laughs> he was loving it. Yeah, well, there you he go. Said, I, I asked him. I said, how, how, you know, how are you finding retirement? Loving it. Absolutely yeah. loving it. And uh, you know, he, he looked healthy. He was speaking very very freely. Um, I don't think he's in any hurry. But can I just say, Mark, that, that is the exact scenario. Sam reached a point, that personal crossroads when he goes, do you know what, fellas, I've had enough. All those great managers I mentioned earlier had the same thing. And in Dalglish's case, it was a strain, the pressure at Liverpool. Mm. He walked out of Liverpool, you know, they were champions. They were three points top of the league when Kenny went. So you could argue stick around, but he walked. 
Now, that's the issue I've got with Wenger now. If you're so smart, Arsene, why didn't you see the script that you... That it's a nightmare he's walking into. Mm. We talked to Liverpool you know, mm. with mm. Dalglish mm. there. Philip Coutinho. Yeah. You know, we're in the summer of sagas, and this is one of the principal sagas. Um, Liverpool are obviously clearing the decks. Naby Keita, um, that they're, they're going to spend more this week. Do you think he'll go? Do I think? I think they should sell him. Actually, yeah, I think I think the the price is a pretty fair one, providing Barcelona uh, structured the deal a bit better. I was reading reports that that of this headline 130 million euros or pounds. Only about 80 million of it was up front and the rest was not guaranteed. It was at various clauses. Mm. If they change the structure of it and, and come up with more up front, then I think Liverpool should sell because um, they've proven already so far this season. I don't necessarily rely on him for, for creativity. They've got plenty of goals in the side. Um, and in Coutinho's shoes, who could blame him? For wanting to join Barcelona, I think he would he would improve their midfield three. I, th I would see him playing a, a deeper role at, at the new camp, especially now that they've signed uh, Dembele. Mm -hmm. I think he would improve what is a, quite a tiring Barcelona central midfield. So now I think that deal works for all parties. To be perfectly I, honest, I don't I don't think they'll sell him out this time. Mm -hmm. I think Liverpool. But I think Klopp. Well, it's like they're going to throw a lot of money Absolutely. around. No, 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 the principle. They no, 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 no. I think I think Liverpool have a blueprint, and mm -hmm. it's worked before for them. Mm -hmm. What they did with Luis Suarez, saying, stick around, you've got... Because he, he's not gone into the last year of his contract where you know he's going to walk mm. away for nothing. So you've got him as a player. You want to make the point that this club is not going to just bow because of a player star name, and they've done it before. Mm. So I think you'll see mm. Coutinho will leave eventually. <laughs> Liverpool may well know the end game could be next summer, mm. but I think the point will be proven... And then all this money they're investing, particularly with players going to be arriving next year, mm. you'll suddenly see what's funding it. On, on that, Cater's coming 1st mm. of July next mm. year. Basically, Liverpool are committed, even if he gets injured seriously in mm. the Bundesliga this mm. year. Yeah. You know, not <laughs> wishing that on anyone. But there is a risk involved in that transfer, isn't yeah, there? I think, yeah, but I think the price reflects that a little bit because I think if they were to buy him right away... He might have cost a little bit more. Mm. Um, he's a good player. He really, really good player to watch. But he, he's only really delivered over the course of one season, one fabulous season in the Bundesliga. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he fares, whether he takes his eye off the ball um, yeah. over there in Germany. Um, but now I think they've got a player there for for a good price, and he will improve them in twelve months' time. It, it is fascinating to what what they do over Coutinho. It really is. It's, it's also the message they send out to the players and I know you, you sign a contract you're expected to honour it but you know if Coutinho was rubbish if he was if he was diabolical Liverpool would be forcing him out selling him to Bournemouth even if he didn't want to go there <laughs> so so it works both ways and if they want to attract these, these superstar players or potential superstars if Liverpool suddenly have a reputation for holding their best talents to ransom preventing them to go into the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid no, but, they, but they're not doing that Adrian what, what they're doing is saying because well, no no the key is the player gets the contract, signs it, you deal with it. If you're putting it from the club's commercial point of view, you sell Coutinho mm. when his market value's high. Mm. What you don't do is what Arsenal keep doing and let people... Mm. And it goes back to the Patrick Vieira days. I mean, we're talking about sagas. How many summers did we have? Mm. Is he staying? Is he going? Where's mm. he going to go? Oh, he's now signed a new deal. Mm. The, there, there's a thing ingrained in that. Now, Liverpool have been quite smart in recent years mm. to go... 
we found out nobody wanted Coutinho. When Brendan Rodgers Rod mm. took him, he was unwanted around York. So he, mm. he got a nugget of gold, it's been burnished, he's blossomed there, it's been a great club for him. And they're, they're going to say, yeah, you want to go to Barcelona, but the timing's got to be right for us as a club. Mm. Why should anybody just roll over, oh, Barcelona are calling? Mm. But they are, they are showing signs of clearing the decks. Uh, Divock Origi, mm. seven or eight clubs after him now, mm. uh, also you know, in, in the UK, mm. Tottenham, Crystal Palace, mm. Newcastle. Do you expect him to be sold by to, the deadline? Uh, yeah, they've got, they've got quite, a lot of, quite a lot of strikes. I mean, Firmino is... It's so underrated, isn't it? I think he's, mm. a, he's a quality centre forward. It does look like is Sturridge going to stand? I mean, there was talk of talk of him going. He was a misfit mm. in terms of the style of Klopp, um, but there's no talk of Daniel Sturridge leaving. No. Actually, I think Origi's very rough around the edges, but I think there's a player in there. Um, mm. If he does leave, I think um, he could bounce back. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him bounce I, back. I think the Daniel Sturridge thing, the, <laughs> the biggest single factors, and nobody can deny it, is his injury record and the club's concern about the repetitive nature of some of those injuries mm. which causes you a problem about are we going to have him out on the field enough now if he's going through a, a period where he's you know I'm fit I'm feeling good I'm there is a definite player in there you're right you know mm. but look at look there's a classic where they've assembled they changed the manager they've got a very energetic younger guy gone in there and what a job he is doing. It's not, everything hasn't worked out overnight, but you can see the progress that Jurgen Klopp has made there. My issue, going back to the Arsenal thing, is two years ago you could read, it was more than two years ago you could see this decline and fall, that what could happen. And if you look at the managers that Arsenal have Stop missed... Stop sending it back no, to no, Arsenal, no, David. No, no, because I'm saluting Jurgen Klopp. Well, tell you what, Arsenal as a fit, you could say, if Arsenal had gone for, in no particular order, Pochettino out of Southampton, uh, Ancelotti when he's been available in there, yeah. Klopp when he's out of work having left Borussia. Yeah. And there's loads of people. Well, yeah. Do you know what a good appointment How many trophies has Klopp won at Liverpool? Well, he's not yet, but you can see the work he's doing. When did Arsenal last win a trophy? Well, yeah, they won the FA Cup, but look how many... How look who they beat to win it. Yeah, but Man look City at, and Chelsea. Yeah, but look at... OK, so <laughs> hang on, stop. So you think everything in the Arsenal game and Arsene Wenger's the long-term we, future? We've, we've covered that, no. No, no, you're not. <laughs> if you believe Arsene Wenger's no, the long-term future, you should declare it now. <laughs> well, what, what's one last word on yeah, yeah. Uh, Wenger? And it's to do with Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw a piece by Gab Marcotti this week where he talked about 18 months ago Wenger going to the family yeah, yeah. and the family saying, yeah, he can come to Arsenal... Mm -hmm. But we need seven or eight million euros in compensation. Okay. And he said no. Wow. <laughs> That's why I think he's worth persevering with because we haven't got too many men of principle in football, have we? No, <laughs> I agree with that. But I can think of no, I can think of other commercial deals where Arsenal have got parents and people working as scouts for them to help them sign players. Allegedly. Yeah. Mm. OK, um, what about the transfer window as a whole? Mm -hmm. you know, we're in sort of prime ducking and diving territory this week. Mm -hmm. um, is it a bad thing for football? What, having a transfer window? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I must admit I quite liked it in the old days when you were able to, to, to sign players all year round. There was a, there was a deadline, wasn't there? A cut-off in March time. I, I preferred it like that, to be perfectly honest, because, yeah, it just... <sighs> Yeah, I don't like working from window to window. I, I, th I do agree with the managers that say it should be sorted before the 
before the start of the season. It's very unsettling for the, for the team. There has the to managers. be a uniform thing across there Europe. Has to be, across yeah, the world. I just think just move it forward to August the first. I don't think many leagues start before August the first. So I don't see why they can't do that. There's still plenty of time. Open the window earlier. I know that, when does it start at the moment? Um, July the first. Obviously, just just bring that forward to June the first to August the first. That's fine. But but yeah, if if they were to scrap transfer windows altogether, I wouldn't be against it. I also feel maybe um, you should have one in November time rather than rather than January. I think um, yeah, just 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 shifting the 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 calendar around might work work quite nicely. So go June to August, June to August the first, and then again maybe November to December. Then we're done. Until uh, you know, then you've got a whole long time for the coaches to work with their work with their players. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's it's really unsettling. I don't like. It. Is it out of control? Because you know, you know, we talked about financial fair play. Well, that's just a myth, isn't mm, it? You know, totally. if you look at what Mbappe yeah, yeah. is doing, they're now going to take him on loan for a year and then well, give them 166 Mike, million one, next one year. Of, one of football's great um, secretaries in terms of rulemaking within the game, who's now retired, but one of the really smart guys. I flagged someone up to him and said, this isn't fair, it's not right, you can do this. And he went, David, do you know what? If we introduce another rule, within three months, clubs will have found a way around it. He said, the more red tape you start introducing around transfers, uh, registrations, clubs always find a way to beat it. Hence the platini, I will crack down on financial fair play, you watch, we'll set a new blueprint, clubs will not be able to... And you look at all the sponsorship money that's complying in and how PSG can actually go and fund the Neymar deal. And you just go, oh, that's that idea got yeah. blown out of the water. Mm. The one that really gets to me, and I know this was one of the founding principles of the Premier League, and I still believe they got it right then, there should be no loan deals in the Premier League. That should just be... So if, you want to, if you're a Premier League club and you want to send a player out into the Football League or abroad... That's fine to get experience, but this issue of Premier League players yeah. being loaned I, around, I do I, that, and that. That, that was absolutely outlawed at the start. That was one of the agreements. We will not have loans in the Premier League because you back. So if we're going to have transfer deadlines in the sense of there's a window, mm. then you've got that squad to work with, yeah. and you've got a squad with your own young players you've got to give games to. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, we, there was a story, wasn't there, earlier in the week with Diego Costa maybe going to Everton. I don't, I don't think that's mm. going to happen, but. But again, it would, it, it, in a way, it'd work for Chelsea because he w- he would play against all of their main rivals except them. Sounds and, like you'd have to lose about half a stone. He though. might have to, but yeah, he would. Let, yeah, cost is not finished. He, he'll be back somewhere. Mm. We're in Levy time, Daniel Levy. Time, right? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Well, yeah, we've got probably another day, haven't we? Uh, suppose have let Kevin Vimmer go to Stoke today yeah, for eighteen sen- million. Sensible move. Yeah, uh, forty-two million for Da Vinci. Yeah. Sanchez, which seems a lot, but what? he's got promise, obviously. Yeah, look, I can't sit but here and say I've watched Le- him every what, week. what stroke is Levy going to pull by oh, Thursday night? Well, he needs, he needs bodies, I think. I, I do think Spurs are, are short on numbers to, to challenge in the Champions League. Champions League and the Premier League, uh, the bench is still still relatively weak. Uh, Davison Sanchez, I haven't seen him every week, so I can't really tell. But what I saw of him in the two Europa League games, the semi-final and the final, I wasn't at all impressed. I thought he had... He had yeah. shockers in both games against Leon away and then in the final against United. His positioning was alarmingly bad, um, but he's athletic and he makes up for it. He's one of those centre-backs that can make up for it. Uh, very confident on the ball. Um, so I'm not sure about him. 
But yeah, no, they need they need a striker, don't they, to to compete with Harry Kane to, to apply a bit of pressure, and they just they just need to fill that bench with with better quality players. They need fullbacks as well because if Rose isn't going to stay, I, I don't think Ben Davis is the answer long term, and I don't think Trippier is is the answer long term mm. on the right either. So they do miss Walker and Rose quite badly. Yeah, well, lots going on today with Serge Aurier, isn't it? Mm. Whether true. he'll get his, his absolutely. Permit. I think the other thing with Tottenham will be. And this is Daniel's way as well. You watch there'll be some exits. People who had been deemed surplus. I think you're right. I think one of their priorities this week, and it could be a left field signing, will be a new centre forward. And I think you'll see Vincent Janssen will probably go back to Holland on loan because he's not delivered as the understudy mm -hmm. at the weekend. He can't even get on when they're chasing the game in the dying seconds. You <laughs> think, do you throw him on? No, we'll do something else. So I think Janssen, who apparently is training and looking really good with the Dutch thing when the pressure's off him, you know, he's whacking, everything goes in the net when he's when he's mm. in that situation and may well get a game against France on Thursday. I think you could see some of the fringe people like that, Daniel, say, OK, well, let's shift them and maybe have to buy big on a, on a couple of the signings. Mm. Looking at the season as a whole, mm. Adrian, um, let's I try and identify a couple of players who will have standout seasons. Okay, yeah. At the moment, it looks to me, Sadio Mane yeah. at Liverpool <laughs> is... He's an absolute godsend to that team. A contender, isn't he, for, mm. for Footballer of the Year? Base. His he, um, curve is certainly still on an upward climb. Uh, he's, a, he's the real deal. I remember his debut, actually, for Southampton against Arsenal in a, in a League Cup tie. I commentated on it, and I thought, oh, this kid looks useful. And he, he's just continued to get better and better. Uh, and Salah, I think, is, is looking good. He's not got as much craft to his game. But, but he's very dangerous. So, yeah, he's, he's certainly going to have, have a fabulous season. I think, um, look at City, I think Gabriel Jesus, if he, um, mm. if he stays fit, I think he's going to be outstanding this year. He's going to get so many chances. But he's the kind of striker that also creates a lot as well. So, mm. so yeah, watch, watch out for his performances over the coming months. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him develop. He is a contender to become the next Premier League superstar. I don't, you know, he's not there yet, he's a new boy. He could be a superstar in 12 months' time. Mm. It's quite revealing, you know, we were in International Week and we haven't even touched on England yet. Uh, but I want to highlight Marcus Rashford. Mm. How do you see his season developing? You know, he is, you can see him progressing mm. quite markedly. Mm. Is he going to be the real deal? Eventually, I think he can be. I think he's got... I think it's a really good challenge for him in that there's a very expensively recruited Anthony Martial. And funnily enough, you can see when, when Rashford made a couple of mistakes, actually thought, I tell you now, Jose Mourinho will leave him out for the next game and he'll start with Martial. And he did at the weekend. And Rashford came on and, of course, scored as a substitute. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing the way Mourinho uses that, and I don't think there's any tension between them, no. but that selection They'll push tension, each other, won't yeah, they? That they're, yeah, he's going to be... And one of them will emerge. Now, it, Rashford is clearly, and I say, the favourite to emerge mm. in that, but he's got to be aware there's no automatic place in that. He, the, the setup they've got now with that, their midfield, you know, that, the anchors they've got in there, mm. it is tailor-made for the front three to make hay with that. Big Simon, you know. yeah, we did, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was speaking to, to Paul Clement last mm. week, yeah. and, and he made the point of what he learned from... Jose Mourinho was the intensity of the pressure that he applied on everyone around him. Yeah. That they have to produce. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that um, creates a, an unhappy, sort of hostile environment inside the dressing room 
But we've seen flare-ups, haven't we? Mm. In Jose Mourinho dressing rooms, there have been problems in recent years. It was only about 12 months ago that a lot of people were saying, oh, can he handle the modern player, Jose Mourinho? Mm. I think the bottom line is, yeah, he can. And that dressing rooms actually do thrive on competition. And they need an iron fist at times. They need to know that if they're not delivering, they will lose their place. And I, th- I don't think any United player will, yeah. will consider their place um, a guarantee. Not even um, Romelu Lukaku now, especially with Latan Ibrahimovic signed up for, for the rest of the season. So they're, in that environment, I do believe that as long as you've got strength of character, and you should have if you're a top-flight professional player, then you will improve um, with that competition. I just... I would. I, I think Rashford's going to have a great year. I think he's got the potential to be the best, the young player of the year for sure. But I want to see him at centre-forward. He's not a left-winger. Mm. He's being crowbarred in to that position because he's talented. He's a striker. And I'd love to see him there. And, and until we see him there on a regular basis, I'm afraid England are going to suffer because they're not going to, see the, they're not going to have the very best of him in his best position. Mm. Now, chaps, I've got a confession to make. The standard of questions is now going to improve. <laughs> uh, there's a new section we're, we're trying out, is questions from the listeners and the viewers. Um, got Janet from Manchester. She's asking for our views on the, the Bournemouth situation at the weekend. What did you think about the stewarding? In the sense of Aguero and the arrest... And the over-aggressive and the, yeah, nature yeah. of it, yeah. Uh, I was astonished by it in the sense that you knew it was within the context of the game, the 97th minute winner. You knew they were celebrating. It wasn't a pitch invasion as a protest to anything. You know, it was happy, joyful fans. Yes, players are instructed. You're not meant to run towards them or, or engage. Mm. But there was this moment mm. of great glory, triumph and whatever, so they did. But the actual reaction was way over the top. Weirdly, Mike, and this was shown to me in the office with people going in, zooming in on on the uh, luminous jackets and things, I was amazed to see that certainly a number of the police officers in front of the city fans there were from Greater Manchester Police. So whether it's a jolly for the boys at the Bank Holiday <laughs> Weekend down to Dorset, <laughs> I don't know. But there certainly seemed to be a degree of these were Manchester Police policing Manchester fans. Mm. And I've got to say that, and I'm pleased to say that the club Bournemouth had sense in sorting out the steward to apologise to Aguero yeah. or withdraw, sorry, he yeah. didn't apologise, he withdraw the allegation that he'd been punched, which yeah. clearly he hadn't been. Because you cannot go in any business, you cannot criminalise yeah. your customers, which is what is happening here. <laughs> no, I is, guess so, yeah. Know, it's, it's completely out of order. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you run and celebrate with your own supporters, I don't think that should be a cautionable offence either. I think Mike Dean... What goes... Right, yeah. yeah. You play yourself. Yeah. Were you ever in that situation? <laughs> well, not in the Premier League, unfortunately. But I scored a few goals. Yeah. And goals and you, what goal, what's the thought process? Do you well, have really, any thought process? Not really. You just want to celebrate. You want to. You want to celebrate with the support, especially when you're away from home. You have got a select group of fans who have come a long way. They've paid their money, and you want to. You want to have a bit of fun and, and celebrate with them. Um, in the moment of, of glory, you don't really think straight. Of course, you don't. You just charge off towards their towards them. Um, I think it's nonsense rule, really, in terms of getting caution for that. I think if you if you go to opposition fans, Correct. I think that is a yellow card offence. If you run towards your own ones, come on. I mean, I mean the <laughs> thing is, if you it, the incitement is clearly there, be it with opposing players yeah. or with supporters, you've got to stamp it out. And this is where you need the referees to have a bit of common sense. And I don't just mean 
Mike Dean at the weekend has been given a bit, he has to do it. But the referees as a group should be saying to the Premier League, hang on, this is crazy, you know, because we're taking something out of the game mm. where fans are part of that enjoyment. The supporters, those supporters, when Sterling were running towards them, that is the highlight of their of their season, potentially. The highlight of, their, of, of, of the month, for sure, in terms of he wants to come and celebrate with us. That's what being a fan is all about, sharing that, feeling close to the players. He's probably saying goodbye, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Robert, Robert Whelan, um, yes. seven clean sheets in the last nine Premier League games. Is Liverpool's defence really that horrendous? Well, those stats would suggest not, but when you see them on the days when they let goals in, you actually have to blink and think, did I really see the sort of goal they can concede? Yeah. But I, as I say, it's a work in progress and they appear to be getting better. But, but there is a balance. Compared with where they were two years ago, they are getting better. And Robert asks us a follow-up. Yeah, yeah. Can you ask Adrian what he thinks of Liverpool's <laughs> season? Well, yeah. in, uh, towards that defence, uh, I would say they're protected very well. They defend from front to back Liverpool. I think individually, yes, they can improve. OK, it's not a horrendous back four, but you can't tell me that Dejan Lovren and Alberto Moreno are good enough, or Simon Mignolet are good enough to be Liverpool's first-choice players. They can upgrade, they can get better, and I think Liverpool fans should expect better than those individuals. Um, what do I think of Liverpool season? They're contenders for um, a top three finish. They, they, they won't win the title because, because of that defence. They, they, they let in too many goals. And I know that record, that seven in nine, is, is a good stat, but I don't have faith that they'll keep that up. Right. We've got Jonathan Aaron, uh, Allen across the city. Hmm. Can Everton's poor display at Stamford Bridge be put down to fatigue or Coman's, what he says, ridiculous decision to play three at the back? No, I, well... Yes, it can be put down to fatigue, and for me, if there was a predictable result at the weekend, and I don't say it was 2-0, but if you thought... I did predict you, yeah, it. I, I, wrote, okay. I wrote a preview and yeah. predicted it. So. <laughs> you, you, you've, got, you've got the trip to Manchester, which was a big game for them. They're playing at Manchester City on the Monday night. They've got a very challenging trip to Croatia to play on the Thursday night with the travelling involved and a very hostile atmosphere that you're playing it and you get through. And then on the Friday, you're on the road again and you're playing at Chelsea. And I just think... They've not got a big enough squad to deal with all those eventualities. Clearly, and Ronald Koeman has said it, he still wants in, within his sort of senior first-team group a left-sided defender who could either play as a centre-back or a left-back, and he wants a, a strong target man now. Well, that, that, and that's what, you know, Robbers, yeah, yeah, Robbers okay. come on, another Everton fan, he said, you know, will all their good work in the transfer market yeah. be undone yeah. if they don't, by a top-end striker well, to replace... It won't be undone, could. but it, it, it feels like it's an unfinished yeah, it's, masterpiece, it's if you know what I mean. It's progress, though. Yeah. It is. And, yeah. and, they, and let's be honest, I mean, I appreciate Everton fans feeling this way, but if anybody's flagged it up in the summer to the recruitment, Ronald Koeman said, this is what we need. Now, the fact is, Arsenal wouldn't sell him Olivier Giroud. They can't get Dzeko out of Roma, which they've tried to do. They've had a look at Ben Teke and, I think, thought he's not for us. But they are casting around, at looking for a powerful alternative and a big they fella need, to play They need a from. striker. I, I would go for someone that can stretch defences in behind. I think they miss the running power of Lukaku more than anything else. Got a lot of attacking midfielders now that can join in. Um, but I'd like to see someone that can stretch. Um, but on Koeman, I think is a very good coach. Um, but what my one criticism of him would be that I think he's a little bit fiddly. And by that, I mean... I don't think you can resist sometimes flipping formations around and worrying sometimes too much about 
the opposition. I think to, to build Everton, he should he should maybe focus a little less on the opposition and more on what he wants to achieve. So, David, a question from Stu, the red half of Manchester. Can you see United signing that elusive fourth player that Mourinho talks about? I'm not sure I can this week, Mark, but I've got to say, looking at what they've got and the way Jose Mourinho set that team up, I don't think it's going to matter that he doesn't get it because I think, I, I believe Matic particularly will prove to be one of the key signings of the season, especially with what the arrival of Matic as the holding man and probably as good as you're going to get in the Premier League, what we're then seeing from people like Paul Pogba who are allowed to bomb on and do more. So I have a feeling that Manchester United are going to have a very successful season and if they don't quite get what Jose wants, I don't think they need to despair. Yeah, I, I, the only the missing link in the jigsaw is that it's a left footer, a left back or a left winger. Just adds a bit more balance to the side. I love what Valencia produces down the right-hand side. And I think, ideally, you'd like a carbon copy of him to fly down the left. But look, if they're not around in this window, well, I don't he, think it's a disaster. The other one is, give Luke Shaw a chance when he's fully fit. Will, yeah. will he finally deliver? They spent an awful lot of money on him. OK. We'll, we'll end with two questions from Spurs fans, Sam and Simon Walker. Sam asks, can or could Wembley cost Tottenham a top four place? Yes, Wembley could cost them because look at the track record of what they're doing when they play at Wembley and clearly they've got a problem there, be it in delivering their best football on the pitch there, in the size of the ground, whatever. And also I do think Wembley inspires opponents to up their game when they play. It's different to being at White Hart Lane. Yeah, and Simon makes the point that over the last three seasons, they've had poor starts, Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because of this mania for doing their business at the business end of the window? Um, no, I, don't, I wouldn't use that as an excuse, not, not this year. I actually think the fact that they've got continuity in their squad would maybe give them an advantage over certain teams that have spent big, like an, like an Everton, although Everton have played a lot, lot more games because of the Europa League. No, I don't think you should use that as an excuse. I think Wembley will cost some points, but if they are to finish outside the top four, I wouldn't solely blame Wembley, I'd, I'd blame the squad size, something that's, that, that needs to desperately be addressed. Do you think there's two things that are linked together here? Tottenham make a slow start and Harry Kane doesn't score in August. I think if Harry got a few goals in August, it might just change the way they start a season. Well, that's as may be. It's going to be a mad, mad week. Now, I know Liverpool say it's out of the question, but Philippe Coutinho will end this week in Barcelona. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.